everyone and welcome once again to 101 George Street, the podcast from Mowbray, Scotland's National Centre for Children's Literature and Storytelling. My name is John Malloy and for the next 30 or so minutes I'll be chatting to children's author and nature enthusiast Emily Dodd. Emily is the author of four picture books about Scottish wildlife, including Can't Dance Cameron, published by Florist Books. She will be appearing at Mowbray in October 2020 as part of the Wild Goose Festival. Emily, first of all, thank you for appearing on the show. It's wonderful to have you. First question, what is your favourite children's story? Well, my favourite stories when I was a child would be The Little Mermaid, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe and Fantastic Mr Fox. And I think that's because I really enjoyed all of those stories. I enjoyed the characters in those stories. So in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, I loved Aslan, that he wasn't safe, but he was good. Mm. Um, so I think he was a brilliant, a brilliant, good character, heroine, whatever you want to call him, uh, magical being. And the, there was a witch who was the other extreme. And I really identified with Lucy, the character, with her being the youngest. I'm the youngest in my family and her being not believed at times and her getting upset. And so I think I identified with that character of Lucy and I loved that interaction between her and the lion and her finding this magical world and snow and and the, the fact that just through your wardrobe you could find something else completely different, a new world. I, I loved that. Um, fantastic Mr Fox. I used to listen to the story tape over and over to that every night and I knew all the words and I, I think those the characters looking back on it and listening and reading it now I think they're <laughs> they're quite strange some of the characters in that and he's actually quite a show off and but I think I just like the contrast of these different characters and the way Roald Dahl writes and brings it to life and um and I like Boggis and Bunsen being these these brilliant baddies as well that are there um and a sort of the the winning winning over the animals beating the humans I like that theme um and then Little Mermaid, <laughs> that that sort of is heartbreaking story, really. That she wanted to 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 be somewhere else, to to be in a different world, to 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 join the humans, and went to such lengths, and then it ended up killing her in the end. So uh, really heartbreaking. Maybe maybe because as a child you you don't want just happy endings. Yeah. That it all and you meet the love of your life and get married and live happily ever after maybe i like that the little mermaid it, it, it went tragically wrong instead um so yeah those are the three that, that I, I thought of there's many more as well because i loved stories obviously i still do but that's three i, I remember watching an interview of old al and old al was fabulous at giving interviews during the 70s and 80s and they were asking asking him about his style of writing, and he said that good children's writing, or any writing, should have a sense of danger. 
particularly with children. Obviously, it, it's safe, but it can't be completely safe. There's always got to have an element of danger. And one thing that struck me when you were answering that question was that Aslan um, is good, but he isn't safe. Mm-hmm. And uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, you know, there's danger around every corner. That's, that's the reason why we love Roald Dahl. There's danger around every corner. You never know what's going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. And again, with the Little Mermaid, you know, danger is quite prevalent there, particularly at the end. So maybe that's that's a common thread with you as a as, as a reader when you were younger. Maybe that sense of oh, you know, something might happen. Who knows? But a good ending is not necessarily guaranteed. Mm, yeah, the jeopardy, and the, yeah, I used to play games with my toys where I'd be rescuing them, and then I'd almost die and have to drink some water to survive and then we'd all sail out on a boat and that kind of thing so it was always like that was I'd like to get to this point where it seemed hopeless and bleak and instantly it would resurrect somehow and <laughs> those are the sort of stories I'd play out with like Sylvanians and Playmobil and stuffed toys and all of that so yeah there'd always be some sort of adventure on a boat or a, a sledge or or whatever and then near death and then some some sort of turn around so I suppose that I suppose that's every Marvel story as well isn't it the, yeah. the hero's journey and the triumph over adversity and changing through it what really strikes me is the really good stuff tends to have that sense of jeopardy that tends to have that kind of if if the hero or the heroine doesn't do what they need to do you're passionate about science wildlife and storytelling why do you think that is I think I really, I really like the world around me and finding out more about it and understanding how things work and stories are great. Um, I, I used to explore outside a lot and look at things like butterflies and birds and I made a little hide once and sat in the garden for, for hours with a camera um, when the cameras had film in them. <laughs> it's a very long time ago, taking pictures when a bird came, but it took about three hours before the birds we're not scared of this big thing with blankets all over it so I sat there for ages because I didn't want to come out in case I scared them so I was, I was very patient to get this one photo of a of a blue tit on the nuts and so I think there's something about the wonder of nature and it being something you could watch and it was real and happening live there and you didn't know what was going to happen and I felt so privileged seeing it so I remember that as a child and I quite like the the, the challenge of trying to weave some of the wonder of nature into a story so for example in in can't dance cameron in real life the capicale is famous for dancing they do this amazing dance um the lek is called and it's people come all over the world to try and see the capicale do a do a lek do a dance uh, and so i wove that into the story as, as part of a key part of the story um and in a story i've written Ali in the otter the male Osprey is trying to learn to chuck a fish to the female. In real life, they have to do that before they can mate. The male has to throw it midair and the female has to catch it upside down. And then after that, they will mate. But at first, the the boy, the young juveniles, they, they would just bring a, a fish and they'll sit next to the female and eat it and then wonder why she won't mate because they've not quite got it right or they'll chuck it and not like chuck it at the right time and so it included that in the story obviously there's no mating in this story they're just trying to be friends but because it's for um four-year-olds but it's the same thing of that's something really amazing that the fact that a bird's chucking a fish and other birds catching it upside down and that just happens in real life every year and so i think i like to try and put a wee bit of that 
but actually weave a story around it and um it's i used to work in museums and we'd be trying to teach children about oceans or about puffins or and a really good way to do it was with the story because then they would care about the characters to so say it was something that a conservation animal <laughs> the puffin or a capicale or whatever it is the polar bear if they actually know a character they care a lot more because it's personal to them rather than just this animal needs our help it's they've, they've been laughing or they've been engaged with a character and then they care a lot more and then then they care about saving that animal or helping that animal so that was something I had to do when I was working at museums or something I wanted to do and I did lots of storytelling courses and then started doing stories and songs as ways of teaching the younger children about different animals and different science concepts dinosaurs all sorts and and then that's something I've ended up doing when I write books as well trying to do the two things together the story and the science all, all in one if that's possible and then mental health themes as well are, are in there I, I sometimes get told off by my agent for trying to put too many layers in there and it's being too complicated but hopefully if you do it well it doesn't seem complicated at all because it's all in there without you even really noticing so that's what I'd be trying to do with um, picture books so there'd be some sort of science natural history in there there'd be a mental health theme and hopefully a really good story and some jeopardy in there all, all woven in but you wouldn't really notice it so if you're a child you'd just be picking up those things without um without being aware aware you'd hopefully just be enjoying it <laughs> that's that's what i'm aiming for that's what i'm trying to do do you find that as a that's a challenge and i ask this because i'm a massive fantasy fan as a reader but i'm also a huge science buff and when I was researching you and the work that you do, and particularly uh, your background, your academic background, I just thought, wow, this is someone with obviously a science background, but they're able to weave in these these concepts, these scientific concepts, and these concepts about nature and, and, and wildlife, and weave that into a narrative. And you'll tend to find writers focus on fantasy, and that's what they do, you know, fantasy. And or they'll focus on science fiction, for example. Trying to marry the two, can often be a challenge you find that that is the case with you yeah yeah I think it's a, I think it's probably a difficult a difficult thing to, to set out to do but maybe because I was already doing that in museums anyway it just mm. seemed more something that I'll try and do and almost the freedom of going you don't need to include any science or it, it almost seems like too much freedom it's like I want some sort of framework or brief to fit something around and yeah, so I think it is a challenge. And I know that some authors will write fiction only or mm. non-fiction only, and a few do crossover. So I suppose I've got this sort of the fiction hat and the non-fiction hat, and then sometimes there's a middle ground that I'm doing as well. It's a bit of both. For example, with Can't Dance Camera and the Capicale story, I've been going to try and see the Capicale because it's such a rare bird. There's only a 1,000 left in the wild, so you can't just traipse through the forest looking for them because... You, you could damage their habitat and you'd also scare them. And if they get scared, they dance. <laughs> they dance when they're scared as well as for the mating dance. So if everybody's trying to watch them, they'll dance and they can dance so much that they get exhausted. So it's really not a good thing to try and try and just find them yourself. So mm. the best way to do it is in a, in a hide. And so I've been going to the RSPB Lock Garden every year for the Kappa Watch and getting up at five in the morning and 
I think I did it six, six or seven years in a row. <laughs> Never saw one. And, um, and they're, they're brilliant. It's great to go to the hide anyway, because there's, Ospreys and things. Oh, you were going to. You yeah. say that you've never saw a capercaillie. No, never in real life. I've seen, I've seen videos. I've never actually seen one. And then I gave up trying to see them because it made. I'd go on holiday once a year for for a few days with my parents, and one year we didn't try and see the capercaillie, and we were wondering why we were having so much, so much more of a relaxed holiday. And we realised it's because we hadn't got up at four in the morning because you have to get there so early in the morning. Um, so you have to get up even earlier and mm-hmm. it made everyone really grum- grumpy. So we stopped trying. Um, so yeah, the, getting getting up super early and trying to see this bird and it was like, had this legendary status because never actually seen it. Over the process of a few years, I wanted to write a story about it and it took ages to sort of percolate through to actually become the story that it is. So I think it took, probably my subconscious was working on this story and and they say that the first novel that you write is sort of your own story without you realising and I think that was the first picture book I wrote and I think it was partly my story because the bird, Cameron, is a bit isn't is a bit shy or doesn't think they can do things and I used to think that about writing I'm I'm slightly dyslexic and I'm bad at spelling and all through school my spelling was always the issue and when I was in the top year of secondary school they asked if I wanted spelling to join spelling classes with the first years and I said no thank you I didn't want to and so oh you do <laughs> yeah so I, I felt like I was rubbish at writing and this bird all his family are really good at dancing and he thinks he's rubbish at dancing and he can't do it. And so I think without me realising, I think I sort of wrote my own story by accident as well of this bird that couldn't dance and learned um, because that's that happened to me and that I was doing science and I'd be writing stories about puffins or songs about sharks. or And so I was writing and other people told me oh actually you're good at this and helped me improve and I, I did courses and I did a course with CBBS and the book trust and that's how I I've started writing tv before I started writing books so it was because other people said you can do this and you're good at this and here's how you learn and here's how you can improve so I think contact Cameron was actually without me realizing I was writing my own my own story through through this bird that learned on this walk to dance and and at the end he could he could dance and added a bit of jeopardy in there there's a bit where you think is he, is he about to die there's that moment in there as well and there's hopefully some f- funny bits in there um so so your question is a difficult challenge but I think I was working on it for years without knowing and it, and it was amazing timing in that it's published by Floris the imprint is Kelpies so they actually met me a, f- a few a few weeks before I was going on a writing retreat I'd been doing a, a residency at a library in Leith and at the end of the residency I had some time to do my own things so it was with this book trust and creative Scotland so I planned this bit at the end where I just take some time up up north at Ullapool and they said oh would you would you like to write some books and here are some of the things we've got we've got gaps in because they do Scottish wildlife and they didn't say a cafe they said other things and then while I was away on this writing retreat, I obviously said, yes, I'd love to try and write some books. And I was away on this writing retreat and and the Capicale story just came then. So 
I think that's because it had a few years of of percolating through and trying to see this bird every year and never actually seeing it dance and learning about it instead. Um, so, so yes, I think that, that it is a challenge, but I think my brain's working on it. When I see something amazing in nature, I just think, oh, that's brilliant. And for several years, I'm probably trying to work out how do I put that into a story without me really knowing it. And eventually, hopefully, a story will come out. Have you always found inspiration in science and nature and the world around you? I think so. Yeah, I used to be really into butterflies and I had a butterfly net and I would spend quite a long time just catching them, working out what they were and then letting them go again, which as an adult, I think that that sounds like a really boring thing to do as a child for hours because you don't really get anywhere. You know what I mean? You just but for me, I was learning what they were and I just thought they were really amazing. And then they like have cool like long tongues and I I just thought they were really amazing. So yeah, I liked animals and I like being outside. Um, so uh, David Attenborough says not to ask when people when people became interested in science and nature. He says you should ask people when did they stop? Because he said all children are naturally interested in science and nature because it's the world around them. It's things that are moving and, and at some point they stop. So maybe I just didn't stop. <laughs> You've alluded to the fact that you go into schools and you, you run workshops. How how rewarding is that for you? Yeah, it's 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 great when I see children enjoying themselves, and it's lovely to get feedback afterwards, especially when teachers will say, "Um, I was in a, a school in Glasgow area where it was lots of school. A lot of the children didn't didn't speak English and had recently come in um, to the school, and mm. afterwards one of the teacher said that that child's never engaged in class and she was putting her hand up joining in they're like we've never seen her engage and so when there's this thing where a child that you normally isn't part of it or normally is really naughty or not that that's what I find really rewarding when the teacher will tell me after I had a, a child say in an in an Edinburgh school and that that was that was the best day of her life and afterwards the the and it was going to the library for an event. And afterwards, the teacher was explaining some of some of the the the, the challenges for some of the children, and saying, "No, that genuinely, actually, they're not having days out or, or doing much at home." And actually, that was genuine, and that's what a difference that stories make to children, and and not just stories, but being part of a collective experience where we're all we're doing a story together and we're learning together and where there's volunteers they're participating there there um it, it isn't it isn't about me telling a story it's about us together having this shared learning experience and having fun together and then contributing and and that to know that 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 kind of made such a difference even just to one child so that's that's the bit that's rewarding um I also find it hard work because I'm I'm an introvert, but I, I'll be very <laughs> extroverted for events. As there, um, someone described it as it was one of the, the Scottish Book Tr- Trust team des- described my events as being like a live literature event on speed. And I'm not on speed, but, but it's the it's like the full. You know, there's a song and there's a science experiment and there's a dancing and um, a video clip of my cat and whatever. So there's all these different elements and it keeps changing and and for for the age group so for primary ones or even nursery it's it's keeping them engaged because it keeps swapping but 
for me and because they shout out and say things it also keeps changing so it's, it's my full energy for that hour and then, <laughs> then I don't have any for another day so it's, I find it really tiring as well so uh, I enjoy doing events but they exhaust me so people who maybe meet me in a green room and a cup of tea after it uh, they're like just talk loads or <laughs> just have nothing <laughs> either one but I think it's just uh, adrenaline so if you're around after my event I warn you ahead I might not be very um, coherent afterwards because that's just me run out of all the energy. Don't worry, I'll mix it and I'll have a cup of tea and a chocolate biscuit in hand. And, you know, <laughs> just a cup of tea is good. Just a cup of tea, okay, no problem. Um, uh, I know you write content for the BBC and you seem to have a real love for creating stories for young people, which is fantastic, but why is that? Yeah, I, I wanted to write for children and write characters to help them know things that I think that I didn't know so I wanted to write especially for young children stories that helped children know who they are is okay and have a good sense of identity and being themselves so for example in the grouse and the mouse I've got a character who's quite controlling and dominant and telling the mouse oh it must be awful to have a bendy tail you need to stick to straighten it out or it must be awful to be so dull and and brown <laughs> you need one of my red feathers to brighten yourself up so it's and I think when I was young, I would have not been so good at going, no, actually, I like the mouse says, I like being brown. <laughs> it helps me to hide in the trees or I like my bendy tail. It helps me to climb and balance. And so I've written a character that's very good at maintaining their sense of identity under pressure. And at school, you all get that pressure. There's, you'll be told you're, you're I was told my sandwiches were the wrong flavor or that, you know, your coat's not the right color or whatever it is. And it's quite easy to think, oh, I'll change that then, I'll change this, I'll change this, and until you become some sort of clone of everybody else. And so I wanted to write a, a story there that was to remind children who they are is fine and also give a, give a sort of ha- how to maintain your identity but without being the same back, like without, so a response that's a response rather than a reaction. It sounds all very complicated and worthy, but in the story, it doesn't come across like that. And I think they, they hopefully the children, what have, the feedback I've had is they like that there's this really bossy character and he ends up landing in a big pile of cow poo as well. Yes, I think that's why I wanted to write stories for children. And then the science, because I was already doing that for museums, I was writing shows or writing songs or stories that helped explain science and make it simpler the science books that was a sort of that was a natural follow-on that that was something I'd trained and trained to do at a science center and with a master's of how to explain something complicated and make it fun and relevant so I ended up writing science books and I, I started writing science television before I wrote story books so I think it, the, the science bit was a more natural fit for me in terms of that's what you know I did an undergrad in science and then this master's in how to explain it well and how to put it in a show or in a how to write it in an exhibit label or all of all of that kind of thing so that was more natural the science books but then the stories I think it was more about what do I want to how do how can I write things for children that that they will enjoy and have fun with but also will remind them they're brilliant the way they are I think that's what I wanted to do and um, by, by having different types of characters and that are unique and and you know even the the controlling grouse he's got a lovable 
side to him as well so it's not even that that's necessarily wrong but he does realize the, the error of his way so it's, I wanted to write a range of characters to help children and so I wanted to write things for when children were young to remind them the uniqueness is brilliant and to hopefully hopefully keep them keep them being that unique self and not just conforming or changing or or just living everybody else's life what everybody else expects of them rather than who they actually are and what they they're into and what they want because I think there's even lots of adults that are still are doing what's expected of them rather than what they really really want yeah so I wanted to write about that you're due to appear at Mulbray as part of the Wild Goose Festival in October what can we expect from you I'm doing two two events, two sessions. One is about mental health and picture book writing. Mm. So I'll be talking a bit about, I did a, a counselling course, a two-year course. So I'm a tra- trained as a counsellor and I wanted to have some of those mental health themes in, in my work. So, but they're not really talked about or, or expressed. They're just in there. Teachers really like it because they see them, but it's not something I, they're not really sold as, um, health and well-being books <laughs> they're like Scottish wildlife so I wanted to talk a bit about health and well-being and for children and why that's important and then some of those themes and tell a, f- a few stories so for example there's a man called Sir Ken Robinson he just passed away recently and he's his theory the element is that the education system is not great for a lot of people because it's about it's teaching them to to do it it's very uniform you must all do it this way pass these tests learn these things where actually if children get to do more of what they love what they're really into that that interest-based approach helps them with their confidence so the research shows that if a child is bad at maths for example and you give them more maths class classes they can actually get worse because their confidence is dropping because if they're realizing they can't do something whereas if they get to do more of the thing they're good at so maybe that's football or art or it could be maths it could be anything whatever it is for them that they're really good at if they do more of that their confidence goes up and then they can achieve better at whatever they're not as good at so giving them more of the thing they're good at will help them get better in all other areas because of their confidence going up and then they feel i can achieve and that helps them so one of the stories, Ollie and the Otter, is based on that. He's trying to get better at throwing this fish by practicing more. It's getting worse. And then he starts to do what he loves instead. So each book has got something in there that's um, with Can't Dance Cameron. It's about growth and fixed mindset. So if your growth mindset, you believe you can learn. We all start out like that. Else we'd never learn to walk. If we, we, you know, you, you fall over and think, I can't do this. I'm never getting up again. We wouldn't be walking. But as we get older we get to a point where we start to become some people start to become fixed and they think if I try and I can't do it straight away that's because I can't do it and so we've got can't dance Cameron who can't dance (laughs) I'm not going to say anymore because come along to the event and you can find out more so yeah each story has got some learning theories and mental health health and well-being so I'm going to talk a wee bit about those themes if you're into education or health and well-being or children's stories or even just what what makes people tick and what I'm what I'm interested in which is identity and all of the uh, how to use stories to help people feel better about themselves and the world around them then that's the one to come to and the other one is Can't Dance Cameron and that's just a really fun storytelling with a science experiment and 
football and dancing you'll be learning the dance moves of the actual bird and doing the dance and learning more about Scottish wildlife and there'll be a story at the end so it's a kind of wildlife science dancing fun session <laughs> oh there's also a water squirting squirrel as well so that's the can't dance Cameron event absolutely fantastic brilliant I can't wait for it um do you have any projects that you're currently working on or future projects that you're about to work on yes so I've I've written a new series for CBeebies and it's 10 episodes and I've written all of them and I'm super excited and I'm quite nervous as well because previously I've written for other ser- series I've just written a few so I've never written a whole new thing like this so this is coming out it should be out by the time the festival happens but I can't tell you what it is yet because it's not been announced yet so there's something coming very soon to see CBBs that's completely new and is really cool and it has got I can say it's got mindfulness in there and it's got natural history in there so it has got themes that we've been talking about so hopefully I'll be able to talk about it at the session um it was going to be out earlier but covid has halted production somewhat so that's why i don't know but it should be on tv the animation's being finished and it's it should as far as i know be on tv for october or very soon after so hopefully i'll be able to talk about it at the event and then i'm also working on some non-fiction books just now so i've, I've been writing one through lockdown and just yesterday and today I've been reviewing the very final spread so it's where it's all designed with the images and all the text and I'm just checking it. it's been to consultants and we're just checking it over for any any last changes so that's coming out soon but I can't tell you what that's called either because it's not out yet and then I'm working on a few other non-fiction book projects and one fiction one which is written for January so first of all I've got non-fiction and then I've got fiction um, and that ha- has a neurodiversity theme, which is very exciting, but it's, but it's fiction. Um, and then the rest are non-fiction science. And I don't think I can tell you because I can't tell you the publishers. Yet. So it's two different publishers and a few science based books coming. <laughs> so right. It's a bit, bit vague, but um, there's stuff coming. And But I have a, have a, a blog and a facebook page and so when i know when as soon as i can announce the next book i'll put the cover on there or i'll put mm. cbb's on there so that's one way of if you, if you want to find out when things are on i'll, I'll and on twitter and instagram so I'll, I'll share things on there but yeah that's it's all very vague but there's, there's things coming which is exciting excellent we'll make certain to um, publicize your blog on our website, Mulberry's website, and give us a heads up and we'll happy to publicise any kind of projects that you that are about to come out. Fantastic. Thank you so much for doing this. We we've run out of time. Thank you. I'm looking forward to coming. Excellent.